Uh, this is Jason Bright. You're listening to The Podium. This is The Podium, where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. And we're joined now with a guy that's competed in the Supercars Championship as both an owner and as a driver. He's a former Bathurst winner who we most recently saw competing in the TCR Australia Series. It's Jason Bright. Jason, thanks so much for joining us on The Podium. Not a problem, mate. Now, Jason, you know, the word unprecedented has been thrown around a lot in recent months. And I'm sure for you, it's been quite a unique set of circumstances. How have you been affected with the whole COVID pandemic? Yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a crazy year. I mean, you know, I guess I've been sort of lucky, you know, in a way, um, you know, the business that I've got, Task Force, hasn't been uh, super affected by the pandemic. But, you know, I certainly see that, you know, it's, a, it's affecting a, a lot of people. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's certainly been a, a crazy year both personally and just motorsport-wise for a lot of people. Well, yeah, um, as I said in the opener, you're a former owner in the Supercars Championship. We've seen a lot of changes for the calendar just to adjust to the situation. What must the teams be going through at this kind of a period? Because you were in that position as well yourself. You had the GFC a number of years ago when you had Brytech up and running. What must this be doing to teams at the moment? Well, I mean, yeah, it was very difficult. You know, they're, they're doing a great job to you know, still be... You know, obviously holding the championship, um, you know, the way they are because, you know, the, there's a lot of effort that goes into putting a championship together, putting the calendars together. Obviously, the teams have got all of their preparation and with things constantly moving, um, you know, for the first half of this year and and uh, dates changing, you know, even as recently as um, you know, last week with Darwin. So, you know, it, it certainly makes the teams having to sort of think on their feet and, um, you know, constantly constantly adjusting things like that isn't easy, you know, with everyone on the road. So, yeah, it's, it's probably been a, a tough year like no other for, for all of the teams. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, a credit to the championship that they're actually still able to do something because there's, you know, a lot of other championships that haven't even been able to get going at this stage. And yeah, the Supercars Championship, they've also implemented a few different rule changes and format changes. What have you made of the rules, especially around tyres? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. You know, I, I feel like, you know, the first round at Eastern Creek was obviously great racing. And, and, and the reason for that, you know, I feel is because there was enough tyres available that people could run different strategies and get a benefit. Um, you know, the the track at Eastern Creek is obviously very high deg, so, you know, the soft tyre degrades enough on that circuit, but, you know, Darwin, there's just not enough degradation to see any real different strategies work, you know, and given that the tyres that, you know, guys like Frosty were putting on at the end had already had a good hit um, in a, in a previous race, you know, you really don't get that benefit to make a strategy different work. So, yeah, you know, I've, and, you know, listening to the drivers, there's certainly some, um, you know, conjecture about it because, you know, it means that at some stage on the weekend, you know, you, you have to sort of give up a race and that that's not fun. That's not fun for, for the drivers or the team. So, yeah, they're obviously just trying to mix it up, 
you know, we're seeing some different winners, which is great. Um, you know, and, and on the weekend, you know, there was three different winners and that, you know, that's, that's good for the sport, but I think there's other ways to achieve that and, you know, giving teams some different strategy options works a lot better. Um, you know, and, and it's not necessarily all, you see always the same winners, but you see some a lot more passing than what I think we would have seen on the weekend. One of the other big changes we saw during this the first part of this lockdown was sim racing really taking off, Jason. Not only here, but around the world with a number of series getting up and running. We didn't see you, though, competing. What, what do you think about sim racing? You a fan or not really into it? Oh, I am a fan. I, I, I didn't sort of get involved. You know, I've yeah, probably been a little bit too busy to, um, you know, I don't want to get on there and look like an idiot, of course. But, <laughs> you know, you, you do have to spend a bit of time, you know, practicing with it and um, you know, my sim hadn't been looked at for a few years so it was going to take me a, a little bit of time to get up to speed but yeah I you know I'm I'm a huge fan I, I played a lot on the sim back you know early to you know so sort of 2012 through 2016 say but um, yeah I haven't played for a few years so it would have taken me a while to get up to speed but I, I you know I, I think it's amazing how far they've come, and iRacing certainly does an amazing job of of, uh, of modelling the cars, modelling the circuits. You know, it's as close as you'll get. Um, you know, for a, for a, you know off the shelf package, and but it's you know, good racing, and anyone can do it. That's the great thing about it. And one of the guys that really excelled at this was Scotty McLaughlin. Uh, you know, not only just in the supercars one, he was going and doing the IndyCar one and unofficially he was a champion of the IndyCar virtual series. There's been a lot of talk in recent time about him venturing over to America, uh, potentially in IndyCar, obviously with the association there that he has with Team Penske. You, of course, went and did this a number of years ago and quite successful as well in Indy Lights. You're competing alongside people like Scott Dixon and a number of other top-level drivers, and you even did get to do that race at the Gold Coast in the Champ Car. What advice would you be giving someone like Scotty McLaughlin that's looking like doing something similar? No, I think he's got to go and do it. You know, I, he, he did a brilliant job when he went and tested with them earlier in the year. Um, you know, even at the official test at, at uh, Circuit of America, you know, he, he's obviously extremely talented and, um, you know, I, I know that he wants to. I know that he enjoyed the car. I spoke to him earlier in the year and he was, uh, you know, pretty excited. It was, it was right when he returned, just returned from having that test. So, um, you know, I, I think he should go and do it. You know, I think he'd certainly do extremely well um, given... The, the team that he's associated with and also how well he went at the test. So, um, you know, it'd be a shame if, if the COVID-19 sort of did slow that down a little bit. I mean, it's obviously slowing it down. I think he would have already been over there by now. So, um, you know, hopefully we get to see Scotty on, on, over there, um, you know, on the IndyCar circuit sooner rather than later. And, of course, this week we've got the Indianapolis 500, one of the world's biggest motorsport events. Uh, we've got Will Power competing and James Davison competing. And it's already been quite an enthralling qualifying session for the big race with the Hondas once again look, looking like they've got the advantage. Have you been following much of this? And who do you like for the weekend? Oh, not as much as I'd like to, but, um, yeah, 
it's obviously an amazing race, you know, amazing circuit. You know, I, I feel, you know, it's awesome that, you know, Will Power got the win finally last year. You know, that it shows how difficult that race is to win with all the success that he's had over there. And, um, you know, but, yeah, it's, it's a crazy race. It'll be a pretty eerie feeling there this year with no one in the crowd, given, you know, they normally get four to 500,000 people there in, in the crowd, but um, you know, I, I, the last few years, it, it's certainly anyone's race, and you know, we know at that circuit that qualifying is one thing, but you know, come race day, you know, they're just some standout performers, and and you'd expect the Chevs to be a, a lot more competitive come race day. So, you know, it'll it'll be an interesting race. Um, you know, I'll, it'll be an early start to the day, obviously here to, to get up and watch it. Yeah, on the topic of Chev and GM and everything. It was only like five, six months ago when the big announcement got made around the Holden and it ceasing to exist after this year. Uh, tell me, were you surprised by that news? Because you obviously drove for the factory team. You also drove for the Ford factory team as well. What did you make of that big announcement? Uh, I don't think, you know, nothing would surprise me these days in the, in the car industry. You know, it's, it's been a, a crazy probably 10 years for the, or 12 years for the, the car industry since the GFC. So, um, and, you know, we've obviously seen a massive amount of change here in Australia with, uh, you know, no manufacturing here anymore. So it, it wasn't surprising. You know, uh, it was, it was, I guess, sad, you know, growing up, you know, as a, as a Holden kid and, 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 uh, you know, the brand meant so much to, to me and my family, I guess, just growing up, you always had Holden cars and Rock was your hero. And so it, it was it was sad, but, you know, I wouldn't say that it was a, a huge shock. And so with this news, we've kind of talked about some of the changes that supercars have been making. How do you think they're going to adjust to this situation? What are they going to do? Do you think that they should be looking more to boost the entertainment profile or try and get more manufacturers involved? Well, it's a, it's a hard thing to get manufacturers involved, and, and they've certainly tried that over the last eight years or whatever since Car of the Futures come in. You know, we've had Nissan, Volvo, Mercedes brands in there at different stages, and and you know, it's a hard thing to make work to have different manufacturers in there under their current rules. So they do have to think about what that offer is and what the package is to new manufacturers coming in. I can't see anyone sort of knocking down the door at the moment, but there's no doubt that if the if the package was right and you know manuf- manufacturers could come in and be competitive straight away and and have a platform that worked well for the cars that they want to sell, then they'd be in there because it's still got a, a very good following. So uh, how they're going to handle it you know, what their directions are. I, you know, I'm not close enough to it at the moment and what their plans are with, with the next generation. But obviously it is going to be, you know, important to get other brands in there because, you know, we can't just have a category that is only Ford cars out there and all be running old Commodores out there as well. So whether there's a way to bring the, the Chevy in there with, with a Camaro or something, who knows. 
Yeah, well, one of the series that has been on the rise, well, just prior to the pandemic, was TCR Australia. So we have lots of different cars taking part in it, exciting racing on track. You won the very first ever TCR Australia race, uh, two wins for the season in the Volkswagen Golf. We didn't get to see you in action, though, at Albert Park for the non-championship event. Uh, talk us through what TCR Australia has been like for you and what are the plans going forward? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess... You know, I got involved there because I really, you know, I, I thought that as a category, it, it's working very well around the world and the cars are, you know, very, I guess, suitable to, to the Australian market and, and what, you know, is selling a lot. So, you know, and there's a lot of manufacturers involved, which the manufacturers are involved globally because it is working for them. Um, the racing was good. You know, the cars are on a good tyre with the Michelin, so they, you know, you can race hard. You know, they've got a little bit of degradation. There's, um, there's, you know, good slip streaming because the cars punch such a good, such a big hole in the air. So it, it just it blends itself to some really good racing, and they're difficult little cars to drive. You know, compared to a supercar, you know, I, I felt like it was a much more difficult car to drive because of the front wheel drive because of you know the the tire temperatures factor and trying to get heat in the rear tires, so the first couple of laps were just crazy racing. Like right? you know there was so much going on and so much passing and mistakes and you know so I really enjoyed the the category. Uh, you know I didn't have anything sort of locked away for the start of this season. You know I still kick my ear to the ground and you know when when the opportunity's right, if I can pull something together, I'll be back on the grid. But you know the this year it was it was possibly a blessing in disguise because you know I I didn't have the time to sort of dedicate to finding you know the budget that I needed to, to be on the grid. But you know I was still keen to be out there if if something had have come off then you know I would have been there with bells on and you know I'll, I'll uh, you know keep trying and, and see whether we can be on the grid for any future races. But you know the way it is this year, you know I haven't got the time to sort of find the sponsorship right now and with the uncertainty in the calendar it's a little bit hard to go out there and and uh put something together at the same time well yeah what was it like though that experience going up against some of your old sparring partners like russell ingle and garth tander again uh, it, it was good like i said the racing was really good um you know all the cars have got their different strengths you know we're all learning how to get the most out of them there's the difficult little cars to drive and like I said there was a lot of mistakes being made so you know you'd get a run on someone and then you know you're up at each corner three abreast and like it was you know I felt like the racing was was even better than what I expected um you know given it was the first year in there and, and everyone's sort of learning so uh you know I, I think the category's got a, a very good future that you know the organizers um at arg have done an amazing job you know putting together a championship in it you know for its first season you know they did an awesome job heading into this year with you know the channel 7 television deal the extra events at the grand prix and and uh you know bathurst so all of the ingredients are there to make it you know a a very viable category for drivers to to make a living out of that you know isn't 
didn't create supercars. Um, or at the same time, they could use it as a stepping stone to, to supercars. And that, that, you know, that's probably been, you know, there's probably been a gap, I guess, in that area between your Toyota 86s and, you know, the budgets that you need to do Porsche Cup or, or Super 2 to try and get the supercars. So, um, you know, and, but I think probably the, the biggest thing that I think should be appealing to anyone who's aspiring to be a racing driver is the opportunity to hook up with a manufacturer here and, you know, then end up overseas driving for that manufacturer. And that's something in Australian motorsport we've never had. You know, we've never had championships that you could start a relationship here with a manufacturer and head overseas. And that's been one of the one of the major things that, you know, why we've seen a lot of MotoGP drivers, uh, riders, um, you know, successful MotoGP riders come from Australia because they would form a relationship with Honda or Yamaha or someone here and then have the opportunity to go over to Japan or Europe and compete for that manufacturer because of the reputation that they had from Australia. So, you know, whether that whether it ever leads to that, but, you know, I think guys like Will Brown, you know, won last year's championship, you know, he'd, he'd have the opportunity to go and drive for Honda, Hyundai internationally potentially, but he would never get from, you know, obviously a supercar. So going forward, do you think that something like TCR is probably the most sustainable model going forward? Because, you know, we've seen Trans Am lift its profile in recent years, GT racing, and then, yeah, we've got the supercar championship. What do you think is the future of motorsport? It's hard to know. It's it's always evolving. You know, I I think, you know, supercars has obviously been kicked in the gut a little bit lately with, you know, Holden uh, and the changes there. So, you know, they need to reinvent themselves a little bit, you know, and and I'm sure they're working hard on that. And, you know, they've they've done it before and I'm sure they'll, they'll, you know, they'll do it again. You know, the... The TCR side of things is a well-proven global category that manufacturers build cars overseas and compete in the world championship or European championships, and you can buy them off the shelf and go racing in Australia. And that that provides a very different opportunity for teams to um, buy something off the shelf, go and race it. You know, you know what the parts cost. You don't. You know, you don't get the chance to go and do a whole bunch of development and you know you don't have to throw a lot of money at engineers and development costs because you know it's not that type of championship but if you want a championship that you know you need to constantly develop and engineer and spend money to you know stay on on top of the podium then you know supercars is your game and that's that's it's different championships for different I guess teams and drivers and sponsors, um, you know, whether there's, whether there's room for both, whether there's, you know, whether, you know, the opportunity to do TCR is more appealing for some teams and sponsors, you know, time will tell. But, you know, at this stage, yeah, it, it's probably far too early to know what the future is for either of them. One of the strong advantages that TCR Australia has also picked up has been their TV deal, their free-to-air component of their TV deal, with every race pretty much shown on a on a free-to-air network. 
Uh, recently, we've had the news that Channel 10 is going to be walking away from their supercar deal. Do you think the TV deal has also hurt the supercar championship in terms of appealing to new fans and sponsors? Uh, it's it's definitely hurt. And, and yeah, I was obviously a, a team owner still in supercars when the Fox deal, deal came along. And, and, you know, that deal was essential to keep a lot of teams going at the time. So... Uh, it was a deal that had to be done and and the Channel 10 aspect of it was to ensure there was still a free-to-air aspect um, because we know, that, you know that, that's important for the fans. But, yeah, it's I think it has certainly hurt. You know, I, I, I think the blue-chip sponsors that you know, used to be in supercars Aren't, you know, they're not there so much anymore, unfortunately. Um, whether that's because of the television, whether that's just you know, the economy, who knows? But um, I think free-to-air is an important aspect to, you know, to, to both categories. Um, but, you know, the free-to-air channels, you know, they haven't got the budget that Foxtel had to, to I guess, lure supercars away which, like I said, was important to keep a lot of the teams going. So as for where it ends up, who knows? You know, I, I think that, the, the, I guess, the most important thing is to have sponsors on the cars and, you know, free-to-air brings the sponsors and you get a little bit less money from appearance deals and the fact that it's on free-to-air all the time increases the awareness and you get more people through the gate and that increases ticket sales. Like, I think the free-to-air aspect was certainly an important part. But, you know, we've got to obviously get the fans watching it to make the free-to-air stations pay the right money for it again. Yeah, it's a very difficult balancing act, as you mentioned there, you know, uh, especially, yeah, with that most recent deal with Channel 10 that only saw a few races of the championship broadcast. Uh, we saw you competing in the Enduro Cup. It was a few years ago now with Team 18. Are there any plans to try and... Pursue another drive again in the future? Uh, not really. No, I mean, I mean my, my supercar days are done. You know, I you know enjoyed my my twenty whatever years there, and um, you know it, it's just too hard to sort of jump in for one you know, one or two races a year. And you know, uh, yeah, so in that year was particularly hard because you know I didn't get to drive the car until we got to Sandown, basically. So. Um, you know, obviously because I was only sort of slobbing at the last stage, but no, I'm, you know, I'm happy enough where I'm at and, you know, it's, it's a difficult uh, thing to, to break into at the moment anyway. So um, I'm happy, uh, happy doing what I'm doing. Jason, it's been awesome to have you on the show and look, you know, plenty of awesome achievements so far and I'm sure there's plenty more to come once we do get a return to some more on-track motorsport action. Jason Bright, thanks for joining us on the podium. Cheers, Jason. Good chat.